getting fit spiritually and physically. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray together before I start. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your provision. I thank you for salvation that you've, you, you came to earth to save us. And Lord, we're just here to receive from you. Lord, I'm here to declare that I, I need to learn from you and that your ways are better than mine. And Lord, I just ask you just to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And Lord, not to just receive it, but to do it. To have something that we leave tonight with, with something to do, to go out and to accomplish um, your will in our lives. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Last time we, we started with the first part of this chapter. We're going to start at verse 7 tonight. You know, just read along with me. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Verse 9, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Again, I don't know about you, but I can study something over and over and over and over and then I read it in service and I get something, I get more. It's just really how the word of God works. It's alive. It's growing us. Just as I was reading this, it talks about discipline and, it, and he talks about fathers. I don't see anything where it's talking about mothers. I mean, we remember our father's discipline. I can tell you I remember my mother's discipline, but I remember my father's discipline. But it also kind of, um, I, I find something kind of funny in, in, this, scripture, in this scripture that says that these, our fathers, our earthly fathers, did the best they could. <laughs> Doing the very best they knew how. You know, how, how many of us as dads have disciplined our kids and thought, man, I blew that. That was dumb. I did not handle that right. I didn't have the right attitude. That was just awful. I hope they forget that quickly. Don't remember that sometime. Um, but, you know, we can see here that even in Scripture, Dads don't always discipline perfectly, but God's discipline is perfect. It's good. But I want to ask you a question. How do you determine whether someone really loves you? You got people in your life. You got best friends. You got good friends. You got family members. You got spouses. You know, you've got parents. How do you know when someone really loves you? One way that I, that I define, and now listen, everyone defines friendship and love differently. Um, 
the way I define it many times is who is still standing with me when I'm at my lowest point? Who is still standing with me when I have made the worst mistake in the world that could ever be made? Who's still around? Or who sneaks out the door and is nowhere to be found anymore? Doesn't take my calls anymore. But who, who is there? And, you, you know, one, I can't say the greatest attribute because all of God's attributes are great and immeasurable. We can't, we can't fathom the greatness of the character of God. But one of God's great characters is he doesn't run off and leave you. No matter what. No matter what, he sent his son for you knowing what you were going to do, knowing what you did. He still paid that total price for you. And he doesn't run off from you. But people that I know truly love me are people that help me, that speak truth for the reason of helping and loving. Sometimes people speak truth into your life to hurt you. Now that may sound kind of weird, but how many times do you have someone just come and yell at you? You know what they're saying is right, but the spirit behind it is wrong. Uh, let me use the term self-righteous. They're being very self-righteous with their approach, bringing guilt, bringing condemnation on you. Even though it's truth, it's not in a loving way. Well, one way that I define someone that truly loves me is someone that will tell me the truth, but I know it still hurts. What they're saying still hurts, but it doesn't hurt as bad when you know they're not going to run from you and they're going to help you. I'm not just going to tell you what you're doing wrong. I'm going to help you get out of what you're doing. God helps. God shows us he loves us by helping us. He shows us that we are his child by correcting and by keeping us on the right track. So let's talk about the word discipline. How many of you know with, being, with getting physically fit or spiritually fit, it takes discipline? And you know, discipline, man, that, that word just does not quite roll off the tongue. Doesn't even wanna come out of your mouth. But discipline is defined as the practice or tr of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Another definition, and I like this one, to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. Way. Let me just say we all hate, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us hate the word discipline. When I hear the word discipline, it usually means someone thinks I'm doing something wrong and I need to stop. And it usually means I, I need to be punished. When you say I disciplined my child, usually you have punished your child in some way. But ultimately, the word discipline is a great word. Just by looking at it, and you may have done the history, you may know the history of the word, but what, is, what does that word look like? Disciple. What does disciple mean? Disciple is a personal follower of Jesus Christ especially the 12 apostles. That was the first definition. But listen to this one. It is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. A follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or, or a philosopher. What is discipleship or discipline to its core? And what I want to say it is tonight is it's change. 
it's going in one direction and being, being correct, having a course correction. You're going this way, and th- this kind of discipline could just be a little small change. doesn't have to be a big one. Some disciplines are small, small changes, or some disciplines are big changes. Um, you know, course correction in space, even though they're tiny, minute course corrections, it's going to cause the person to wind up millions of miles in a different position, even with a small course correction. I picked up my water and never took a sip because I didn't take a breath. I need a sip, but I'm but I'm going to keep going. It's change. Doing things you weren't doing or doing things differently. Do you hear me? Discipline. Doing things you weren't doing or doing things differently. That word doesn't sound quite as offensive when you look at it that way. It doesn't, it's not necessarily punishment. It's change. If we weren't disciplined by someone, we would never get anywhere. The only, the, as, we would only go as far as we are capable with no education, with no experience, with nothing. If we had no one to ever correct us or to give us, uh, to disciple us, we would wind up only with the ability of what we, what we happen to encounter and walk, walk into. You can see I have been changed by so many teachers in school, by so many wise men, by so many wise women, by so many brothers and sisters, by so many people that have helped me to find the direction I'm walking on today, I'm walking down today. Also, the word of God, the spirit of God has helped give me direction. <coughs> Parents discipline their children why why ultimately do we discipline our children have you ever thought about that to educate thank you to protect they need to be taught not to play in the street do you know they would play in the street if they didn't know it was unsafe and still, sometimes they still play in the street. We play in our street. It's a cul-de-sac. You have to watch out for cars, but it's relatively safe. But they need to realize our, our subdivision is safe to play out there, but most aren't. They could go from our house and go to another friend's house and play out on the middle of 10th Street and get killed. Why else do we discipline? So they'll grow. So their minds will grow in knowledge so they will grow in ability so they can become independent so that when they get of age they move on and don't stay at home forever they need to get out of the nest i'm we're starting to kind of see that coming we've got one about to graduate high school and as much as i want her to stay i want her to go i want her to do amazing wonderful things it's, it's helping them to learn to be independent in the correct way. But ultimately, we discipline them because we love them. I love my child, so I discipline my child. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. I hope you know this verse. He who spares his rod hates his son, 
But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. What does that say to parents that don't discipline their kids? They don't love them. They think they're doing them a favor, but they're not. God is not doing us a favor by not correcting us. I can tell you I need correction. I don't like correction. Let me rephrase that. Let me just first say I don't like being corrected. Who does? I don't. In fact, it makes me look childish sometimes when I'm corrected. But when I'm corrected correctly, I um, always value the correction and that person. I, I listen to that person the next time. That person just kept me from walking out into the street. What does discipline do to us? Discipline hurts. It just said discipline, when it's happening, verse 11, is painful. What does it hurt? It hurts our pride. It hurts our feelings. It's inconvenient. It takes effort, physical and mental. It takes endurance. It takes patience. It takes hard work. Discipline. Discipline hurts. So let's talk about pride. It's talking to somebody today. To make a lifestyle change is, seems to almost be impossible. It's easy to go sign up for 10 bucks a month at Planet Fitness and get a, get a card and go get into that place. It's easy, 10 bucks. Everybody's got 10 bucks. You may say, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You, you could scrounge up 10 bucks. And it's easy to get up and go for the first week. If you can make it a week, it's easy to go the first time. Second time's a little harder. Third time's even harder. Fourth time doesn't even happen. Done. I'll pay $10 to not go anymore. <laughs> How many of you pay for memberships and you never go? I got the membership though. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck getting healthy, owning the membership. Wouldn't it be nice if you could buy the membership and you'd get healthy? That would work. People would buy that. Lifestyle change hurts our pride. We think we're doing great until we finally look at the bottom line. Think about that in every area of your life. You think you're doing fine until the bottom line shows up. What I mean is you see the results of what you're doing. You see that your checkbook at the end of the month. You see your scale at the end of the month. You see your spiritual, you see where your faith is at the end of the month. Whenever you get in, and you've got a challenge ahead of you and you've got this mountain in front of you and your faith is gone. You've got no faith. You've got nothing in the tank. Your gas tank is empty, but yet you need to get over that hill and you've got nothing. But you felt like all through the month you were doing great until the rubber meets the road. It hurts our feelings. And then we begin to look at whose fault it is. It's Obama's fault. How many of you blame the president for your situation? That's the dumbest thing ever.
I'm not saying that our president and that our Congress people have great impact on our nation, but you know, I am where I am because of the decisions and the choices that I've made. That's why I'm where I am. But what happens is when, when, we, when we get our feelings hurt, we begin to look at whose fault it is. And Americans, even in the church, are great at finding fault. And once we have a fault to place on someone, we've got our excuse not to do it anymore. That's all we need. Just give me an excuse not to do this and I won't do it. How many of you know you can justify just about anything in your mind? You can somehow make it work to what you want to do. I'm not saying it's right. It's wrong. But what happens when we find fault? We become the victim and we play the victim. And the, being the victim gives us a real excuse to quit. And Satan wins. So, discipline. It's inconvenient. We can always find something more productive to do when it's time to go physically exercise. When it's time to go physically exercise, we can always find something better to do, right? What about praying? Can't you always find something better to do than pray? I think prayer and, prayer and physical exercise are two things that, that, that are very similar in that it's the last thing we want to do. Call a prayer meeting. Man, we'll have two or three people show up. Like, let me get a group together to go run. <laughs> we'll have two or three people show up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I, when I first put that group together, I thought, man, I'm a fool. What fool would ever try to go put, put an exercise group together? Nobody's going to show up for that. A few did. We had a pretty good group. And I will tell you, the group would still be going if I hadn't quit. <laughs> I'm the one that quit. I'm still exercising, but it got cold. And, you know, it was, it was hard to figure out how to get it to go. And started, I know it started raining. Started raining. I, let me tell you, you can justify it. You can justify it. I am, listen, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir. I, it's hard. Hey, calm down, you two. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to call a group together to pray and pray every week. Uh, we've got people that are showing up at TTU at 6 a.m. in the morning or whatever. That takes discipline. Didn't even know anything could go on at 6 a.m. in the morning. What about reading your Bible? We never have the time. But the problem is you can't afford not to do it. You can't afford not to pray. You can't afford not to um, read your Bible. You can't afford to um, fellowship with, with the body. You can't afford not to physically get up out of bed and exercise a little bit and get healthy. It takes effort, physical and spiritual. Getting physically fit takes a lot of effort. And unfortunately, um, it's not enough to just go one time. You have to go back the next day and back the next day and the next. And you know what that takes? Endurance. It's hard. It's hard. You have to endure. You have to overcome your physical body. You know when you're, when you're exercising your physical body, you're not just having to overcome your physical body. You're having to overcome your mind. Because let me tell you, your mind is telling you to quit the whole time. It's not just your body. I have found myself running and realize, 
My mind is telling me to stop, but I don't hurt anywhere. Nowhere in my body is hurting. I start doing a check. Am I losing my breath? Are my knees hurting? Are my hips hurting? Are my feet hurting? Nothing's hurting. Well, get over yourself, mind. I got to keep going. So I got to fight my mind. Next thing you know, something starts hurting. No, you're not allowed to hurt. You get over that and keep going. Sometimes you have to stop. But you got to overcome. Same thing to get spiritually healthy and fit. You've got to hang in there. Start reading your Bible. You got to, number one, you got to start. Number two, you got to keep going. Get up the next day and do it. Get up the next day and do it. Make it three weeks. Form a habit. It'll be harder to stop if you'll form a habit. Three weeks. But part of this, it taking effort, is it takes patience. You don't see the results overnight. Not in physical exercise, not in spiritual exercise. If you go out here and you start sowing seed, let's just talk about tithing. Wouldn't it be nice as if we put our tithe in the offering plate and we received an envelope in our mailbox by the time we got home? Wouldn't that be nice? But I want you to know God can get the blessing of the offering to you. You don't have to worry about him getting that blessing to you. The problem is you've got to get the seed in the ground and you've got to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. You cannot outgive God. I keep pointing down here because this is where our baskets go. You can't outgive God. He will see that your needs are met. But if the seed is not in the ground, you cannot expect the seed to come out. Anybody here ever plant a garden? Wouldn't it be awesome as if you planted the garden one night, watered it and weeded it and uh, hoed it and all the stuff you do, and you got up the next morning and there it all is in full. You just go pick them off the... Everybody would do that. But it takes time. It takes effort. You've got to go out and keep the bugs off of it and spray it and weed it and pray over it and water it and for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. But eventually... It comes up. It comes up. I want you to know that God's kingdom is exactly like that. You hang in there with his word. You sow his word. You walk out his word. You are going to reap his word. You can't stop it. There is no bug that can kill that harvest. It says your fruit will not fall off the vine before it's time. And that you will have a harvest even when it's not harvest time. Doesn't matter whether it's a rainy season or the dry season. Your harvest will continue to come in. But you have to stay with it. Keep in mind, and I'm almost done. No discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. Right? You remember that part? Why is the Lord telling us this? So that you can expect it to be hard. It's not rocket science. Why would we want to expect it to be hard? So that we're not shocked and we quit when it's painful. How many here have gone out and exercised one day and you get up the next morning and you can't get out of bed? Don't be shocked. In fact, I would encourage you, start off slow. Don't go out 
out and go bench press 250 pounds 40 times and do crazy weight stuff one day and then hurt so bad for the next week that you can't ever go back. Go slow. People that go out and walk or run with me, I'm just, I just encourage them. Just start with a mile. Start with a half a mile. Start with a quarter of a mile. Just start. But don't overdo it so much that you don't come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. <coughs> Same thing with reading, reading your Bible. Don't start reading five chapters a night. Read 10 or 15 minutes. Read 10 or 15 minutes. The one-year Bible is a 15-minute plan every day. That's why I love it. You don't have to own one. Go get online, oneyearbibleonline or something like that, .com, and it'll break it down for you. Any translation that you want, on your phone, whatever. But 15 minutes a day. Same thing with exercise, physical exercise. 15 minutes a day, start there. Do you know when I started, that's all I could do? But, but you gotta start. No discipline is enjoyable. Be prepared. Prepare for hard work. But afterward, it says there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You will get results if you stay with it. All right, I want to read this exact same scripture from the message, and we'll close with it. Same scripture. This is from the message, though. Remember, this is about God correcting and God disciplining. God is educating you. That is why you must never drop out. He is treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what was seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us. Training us to live by God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feel like, feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. I left out this last part, verse 12. <clears throat> so, so don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. I hate that I left that part out. That was my running part, but that's out of the message. Don't sit around on your hands. Don't drag your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners Church, spiritually, that's what we are to be. We are not to be sprinters. We are to be long-distance runners. This is not a sprint. This is not a one- or two-day thing. This is not a one-year thing. This is our life. We've got to make, we've got to make it to the end. We've been talking with Dave Ramsey about how to, how to put together a program to where we finish strong. Not try to make it well right here when we're in our 40s or when we're in our 30s and live it up. No, I want to finish strong. 
I want to get to the end of my race and have done well with my money, not, not have a great time now. I want to make it to the end. I want to make it to the end with my kids spiritually. <clears throat> One of the best blessings that I ever see in my life as a pastor or as a man is to go to a funeral where there is family everywhere and they're saved and they love each other. And I mean, they're just, they're just all over the place. Burton and Cindy Putman, Cindy's family, the Whitakers, that's just what I see. Every time I, every time I go to one of their family gatherings is a family full that love each other. I mean, we all have our own issues, but just a huge family that loves each other. Um, I love to see grand, great-grandparents. I don't, I don't love to see them laying there dead, but I love to see lots of children, lots of grandchildren, lots of great-grandchildren. I've told my kids that they are responsible to do what I did. Every one of them have four kids, and all of their kids have four kids. <laughs> now, there'll be a lot around by then. But, uh, you know, I just, I love to see uh, the blessings of, of people that have family that are just all around them. And I want to finish like that. I want to be at the end of my, my days here on this earth and see how good God has been and how we have finished strong. I told you all about me running that half marathon and I don't want to just stumble across the finish line. I want to finish strong. I want you to finish strong. No matter what age you're at, start now. Start now. I want you to know that the Lord started using Abraham and Sarah when they were 90 and 100. They laughed at God. You want, you're going to do what, God? You must be talking to somebody else. Oh, no. I'm going to change the world with you two. And it's not going to be with the child that y'all tried to make happen. It's going to be with your child. This message is for you. Every day, let's start putting the word of God to work in our life. Knowing that God's going to come through in miracles, in signs and wonders. Unexplainable, awesome, great stuff. Amen? Amen. Let's get healthy. Let me, I want to give you one quote. The result of discipline, short-term pain and long-term gain. Short-term pain and long-term gain. That's what I like. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you treat us as your children. Lord, that you correct us and you direct us because you love us and because you care for us. And you're not gonna let us wander out into a, a street full of cars and get hurt. Lord, your word is true. Your word is safe. I just thank you that if we will listen, Lord, you will lead us. Help us, Lord, to walk according to your word. Help us to go against the grain, to realize that there is pain and discipline, but, Lord, that there is a reward for that pain. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just ask you to help this church. just ask you to help us individually, Lord. Help us corporately. Lord, just meet our every need, health, financial, um, spiritual, physical, Lord, just meet our need. You are our great need meter. You are great, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God bless you. You guys have a great week. We'll see you Sunday morning.